Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I'm Seth Greenberg, joined by my Falcon Challenge partners, Jay Billis and LaFonso Ellis. And to me, uh, let's talk about a little bit knowledge gained. And I'm not going to just talk about the end of college basketball. I'm going to talk a little NBA in a second. What about knowledge gained there, Taylor? Not only are they bald and beautiful. Bald! You're bald! They all have very large brains. Quick as It's time for Knowledge Gained. All right, I'm going to go knowledge gain. I'm going to start this off. John Morant is good. John Morant is a freak. <laughs> John Morant is just different. He's elastic. What he did last night was an absolute freaking joke. I mean, he only, the guy has this problem. He tries to jump over people and dunk on their heads. I mean, <laughs> and, and the stuff that he does is freakish. And, you know, we look back, I'm just saying, we thought he was good. He's the best player in that draft class. He's a guy that's going to be in the league for 10 years. He's going to be a 10, 15-year All-Pro, and he's going to be the player of the year eventually in the NBA. Knowledge gained is John Morant is a joke. He's so good. Did you see you guys how can talk about took- college basketball. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you see how far he took off? I mean, dude took off outside the lane over Jakob Pertl. That was, that, that was kind of Jordan-esque. Reminds me when Jordan jumped over – was that Mark Eaton? He jumped over in Utah back in the day. That that, that was that. Whew, that was incredible. Nobody has ever jumped over Mark Eaton. Uh, Vince <laughs> Carter jumped over <laughs> Frederick Weiss in the Olympics, Weiss. but nobody nobody has ever jumped over Mark Eaton. Um, <laughs> even even MJ. You know, look, Ja is great, and he has a chance to be one of the all time greats in my view. I don't think I don't think somehow we missed on him. He's the number two pick in the draft. And, uh, you know, I think everybody knew he, we all knew he was going to be great, but it's, it, I thought the best, the, the more uh, amazing play was that catch he made at the end of the That's half, yeah, falling into, you know, falling toward uh, the corner and in the air is still able to get that shot up in, in less than a second. I, I thought that was absolutely remarkable, uh, but he, he's, he's the real deal. And, and I think we all knew it coming out. I mean, you only take one guy, one, number one, but, uh, but there wasn't much, much debate about, about number two. It was him. All right, let's get to the college game. Knowledge game. Jay, what was your knowledge game over the weekend? I don't know if I gained knowledge, but I was certainly uh, incredibly impressed with Baylor, not just uh, the game Saturday against Kansas, but following it up with a win at Texas and playing shorthanded uh, injured, Guys, you know, key guys out that that logic dictates they shouldn't be able to do this, and they're still doing this. Uh, you know, I thought when Jonathan Chamwachacho went out for the season, and LJ Cryer has not played what nine out of the last ten games. You're thinking there's no way they can sustain this, and they keep doing it. Uh, it's it's extraordinary. I mean, I can't think of a I can't think of a team that has done this uh, in the past uh, since we since we've all been together of a team that's had this, you know, this kind of injury problem that has been consistent throughout the season and has performed at this high level. It's really remarkable. Yeah. For, for me, it was a great disappointment with, with Gonzaga. Obviously they're playing on the road against St. Mary's and a St. Mary's team who 
you know, if it weren't for a couple of threes uh, late that allowed Gonzaga to get a little bit of breathing room the last time those two teams played, you know, it, it would have been down to the wire yet again. And uh, I was just disappointed in how they came out. There was no uh, sense of purpose, no intensity uh, early on. Seth, I pointed out to you yesterday, Drew Timmy's like first possession, they gave it to him at the elbow. He attacked the opposite side elbow, got uh, probably halfway to the rim, and then he throws like a little lazy pass that should have been to Chet Holmgren that didn't get there. And then several plays later, uh, Matthias Toss, he's posting up uh, against him, and instead of like holding this position down the block, Matthias Toss pushed him almost 10 feet off the block, and then instead of attacking him to the middle and, and, and getting some contact through the rim, he settles for a jump shot. And it's interesting because I, I thought at that moment, with the way that that game began, I was like, St. Mary's is going to win this game. And then later on, uh, Chet Holmgren, uh, in an isolation situation defensively and still allowing guys to get into his body and, and, and finish with his hands down. I was just really disappointed uh, at, at, the, at the effort in what I thought was a big game and kind of a rivalry game between Gonzaga and St. Mary's. And it, what occurred to me is, uh, you know, again, we talked about it yesterday. They're, they're certainly a second weekend team and beyond, but if they play like they played last night, uh, they won't make it out of the second weekend. Yeah, the home, home great thing kind of disappointed me. The one, he, look, he's a freak and he's a unicorn, and we all the things that we talk about. And you know, he's you know he's got an incredible skill set for a seven-one guy. And, you know, he can block shots. He's got to play lower to the ground. He's got to get his tail down because you know when he gets hit, he gets knocked off his spot. That's what a physical team did. I'll tell you, the, the thing that that blew me away was Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is just the way they're playing. Uh, you know, when when Musk went to that small lineup or the big lineup, excuse me. I mean, they get four, six, six guys across the board, three, six, six guys, and J.D. Note plays like a monster. Uh, and Jalen Williams, uh, they defend you. They contest you. They have the ability to switch. Uh, they're, they're physical. They turn you over. And then offensively, uh, J.D. Note was absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, they, the middle third of the floor ball screen with Williams was a problem all night long that Kentucky didn't solve. Everyone, they play really hard. Uh, they play freed up offensively. But Note, you know, he's got to be in a conversation. He's not going to win player of the year, but he's going to be a first-team All-SEC player. Williams might be an All-SEC player. Uh, they've got enough depth. You know, I think Devo Davis coming off the bench now is giving him good minutes. He's kind of understands what his role is. Uh, I, I'm really impressed, and I would not be shocked if Arkansas won uh, the SEC. I think they've won 13 of the last 14. Uh, and I think they're playing at an elite level. Not saying that, I, and I have no doubts about Kentucky. Kentucky's just got to get healthy. I mean, I think that's mm -hmm. a big thing. They've just got to get healthy. But, you know, if they do, uh, then, you know, Kentucky obviously is as formidable as is as Auburn. Any concerns from you two guys, uh, just to, as we finish up with the SEC on Auburn, the way they've lost games recently? Um, you know, Wendell Green Jr. has been – struggling to say the least mm -hmm. yet his confidence never struggles i mean he's mm -hmm. not afraid to go and make plays and, and be aggressive you guys have any concerns about them well i love them for the first 36 minutes of games it's the last four minutes of the, of the game where i think jabbar smith should have the basketball in his hands a lot more certainly in the last two minutes and so until the guards of auburn can get that resolved in that in money time, your best player on the floor has to touch the basketball. I'm going to always have a question mark about Auburn. And as you know, that started with me several weeks ago. There's not a team out there that I don't have concerns over. 
that they can get beaten in a given game. Uh, but there still has been, you know, teams that have showed the greatest consistency at, at a high level throughout the course of the year that have, that have shown to be the best teams. But there's nobody out there that I'm going, okay, well, I, I don't have concern that if they don't play their best game, they can get beaten. We, we don't have a team that, that can, can cruise to a win not mm-hmm. playing well. And so I, you know, like I don't have the same concerns, Fonz, that you do about Gonzaga. They had a bad game uh, yeah. because if we if we hold if we hold every team to that standard, we'd be going. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really disappointed in this team, that team. Like, you know, how disappointed will we be in St. Mary's that they don't play like that all the time? I mean, they've mm-hmm. lost five games and multiple by double digits. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga hadn't had that, um, so I think uh, you know Gonzaga is the better team, I believe. Uh, but but St. Mary's played great. Gonzaga played poorly, and those two things are related. But um, you know, Gonzaga set a standard that, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but Gonzaga set a standard that that it's almost like they're not allowed to lose in their conference anymore. <laughs> and uh, and you know that, and that's that's you know that's how good they've been. Mm-hmm. But but they're still as good as anybody, and I think they're still the best offensive team in the country, despite that that one blip bad performance they had against St. Mary's. All right, what did you guys think of North Carolina yesterday? I thought they were resilient. Um, I thought that obviously started the game senior night. Senior night is always an emotional thing. Obviously, Hubert started his seniors, including Bob McAdoo's son. They got off to a slow start. Uh, I thought Syracuse played really, really well. Obviously, Cole Splatter was terrific with 36 points and, and made plays and actually played off the bounce some, which was interesting to watch. Uh, some big time shots made, you know, Caleb Love finds you always say, you know, Carolina goes as Caleb Love goes, you know, I'm more, I, I think they go as, as their defense goes, uh, because when they start defending, they, they get better, you know, they're better offensively. Carolina in your mind without a, uh, you know, one, one quad, one win, only one bad loss, not a lot to their resume. How confident are you guys that they're in the NCAA tournament? I'm confident. I think they'll get in. Uh, I wouldn't go, you know, losing to, you know, lower division teams the rest of the way. I mean, they've got Duke on, on Saturday and that's obviously a huge game for a variety of reasons, but uh, you know, they, they need to go into the ACC tournament and show well, they can't, you know, they can't go in and lose to a lower division ACC team without giving themselves a problem in the committee room and giving the committee a chance to, to ding them. But I think they've been playing harder and better. And I think Armando Baycott has had mm-hmm. not a yeah. good year, not a great year. He's had a spectacular year. And for him to, to ring up 22 rebounds, 18 rebounds, double doubles, he's done things at a historic level. He is going to be the first player in North Carolina history to lead the team in scoring, rebounding, block shots, and field goal percentage for not one year, but two. Nobody at North Carolina has ever done that. And they've had up years and down years and great players and Hall of Fame players and all that stuff. Nobody's ever done it. And they've had amazing big guys. Uh, so his consi- high-level consistency has been been remarkable. And I think I think it's – I happen to believe it's him and Alondis Williams for, for ACC Player of the yeah. Year. Um, you know, and, and the case you make for Paolo Bancaro is he's the most talented and he's on the best team. He's the best player on the best team. Uh, but past that – the numbers favor and, and the consistency of high level performance favor Baycott and Williams. 
uh, he, uh, Bacon and, and Brady Manick have really developed into a nice slow. I, I love their high-low game, whether it be against man or zone, and they were able to exploit that on, on the backside. I thought Manick did a really nice job of playing along the baseline while flashing into the middle of that zone and able to knock down a shot or, or, or make a pass. And I, I, I think for me, uh, it showed some resilience, uh, resiliency last night because Caleb Love didn't shoot the basketball well early. Now he's not lacking for confidence, but he had two big time threes and the end of regulation and in, in overtime. And, and, you know, sometimes it's, it's just some some teams uh, that are new together. It kind of takes a while for them to for them to gel. And, and it's interesting. It's been so inconsistent for North Carolina this year. But I, but I feel like they're they're finally playing with great intensity on the defensive end, and they found what works for them on the offensive end. That starts with Armando Baycott. Jay, I can't I can't agree with you more. That dude has been absolutely spectacular this year, and as good as Alondis Williams has been, and I and I love the way he plays for Wake Forest, especially his passing ability. I, I think Armando Baycott is the best player, not the best player, but the he's the player of the year in the ACC in my mind. Look, I agree with everything all you guys are saying. I think the, the one thing is, you know, the Virginia Tech wins obviously are good. The Michigan win is is good. Uh, you know, the, they right now in this moment of time, they don't have a win against the field. Now, obviously, I think Virginia Tech's going to get going to be in the field. I think that probably Michigan's going to be in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting. One, I like their team. I actually I like the way they're playing. I think RJ and, and Caleb are playing you know, really well together. And, and Maddox been, you know, really Maddox been offensively probably their most, their most consistent player. All right, let's spin it forward uh, a little bit. Uh, Jay, you mentioned something uh, there that, you know, there's going to be a lot going on this weekend. Uh, is there anything happening uh, in Durham that's uh, you know, going to make it a little bit more interesting? Someone told me it's coach K's senior night. Yeah, it, it, it is a senior <laughs> night. Uh, it, 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 and look, I am actually kind of proud of of us for this. We we could have overdone the Coach K last season and talked about this is the last time he's putting his sneakers on in Little John Coliseum and made every game into you know the last time this and this trip down nostalgia memory lane and all that stuff to the point where non Duke fans might roll their eyes. But we've kind of saved it up for when we should, which is the end. And this is his last game in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, there's going to be a ton of f- former players back uh, to see it. Uh, so many that 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 the basically the ticket rule ha- has been, you know, every former player gets a ticket, but one only. You can't, you know, they're, they're, you're not going to get your family in. You're not going to get your wife in or your significant other. It's it's just you because the the demand is so great, and Unless it's going to be. Yeah, you know, not even Grant, not even Grant. It, it doesn't matter how many banners you got up there. It doesn't matter. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be great. Uh, and I'm going to I think uh, th- there'll be a lot of I don't want to say conflicting, but a lot of like cross emotions, you know, that that celebrating and gratitude for what we have had all these years for 40, whatever it is, 42, 43 years that he's been there. And then also. Uh, there's going to be a, a level of, of sadness over it's coming to an end. All great things come to an end. And, and whenever there's an end, there's a new beginning. And we're about, we're coming to an end of something and we're about to start, have a new beginning of something else. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, from almost every perspective. I'm, I'm just not looking. There's a part of the goodbye 
portion that I'm not looking forward to, but he's why, you know, he's walking away healthy with a really good team and, and after having a, a really fun year. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to all of us being there and being able to, to experience it in the building. And at any time during this weekend, will you grace uh, the masses with your coach K impersonation? <laughs> it depends. Um, I don't know. I might, I might have to get, I might have to get uh, papal permission to, uh, to pull out the, the impression. It, it's, it's mostly been a locker room thing. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of guys do, a lot of guys do, you know, it's the province of every player to impersonate his or her coach, especially after the coach leaves the room. And, uh, and every player that's played for coach K has been guilty of that. Uh, I'm perhaps the most culpable, but, um, Shocking. Uh, yeah, but, but I, I do, I do take some, I do take some pleasure when, when people ask who does the best coach K impression and, and the former players, uh, several of them say me. So I'm, I'm sure coach K doesn't care for it, but, but it, it is kind of fun. Fons, who did the best digger impression? Oof. Um, Probably Damon Sweet. <laughs> he's in my senior class from uh, Beaumont, Texas. And he's just one of those guys that could mimic anyone. Uh, and and not, not only not only in, in, in cadence, but if that person had a slight accent, he could imitate the accent as well. And so even today, as they were, he was back for the uh, Ring of Honor celebration, uh, he, he had a few uh, yet again and uh, hasn't changed at all. He's 51 years old now. Damon Sweet, without a doubt. You guys, you, know, you guys know, you guys know, like, so when coach K being from Chicago, when he wants to get your attention, he says, yo, he'll like, yes. yo, yo, move over there. Or yo, make that cut. Like he always says, yo, and he even does it today. I see him here. I hear him say it in practice all the time. So when I was playing for him, he said that all the time, yo, yo, yo. And, and so we played William and Mary and they had a guy on their team named yo. It was spelled Y-O-H-E. So after we went through the scouting report, we went out and we practiced and we're running William and Mary stuff and all that stuff or defending against it. All the guys, every, t- you know, we, we were always challenged, talk on defense. You need to talk on defense. So everybody on the floor was like, yo, yo, yo. We were pointing <laughs> and saying, yo. And he finally caught on. He goes, hey, I hear you guys saying, yo. That's real effing funny. Now, how about we prepare for the game? And so he kind of caught it. We we overdid it, but uh, but it was it was a it was a fun moment. Nice. Rub those bald heads like crystal balls and take a look into the future. This week, we got some good games. I mean, like, you think about it, and we're coming to the last week of the season. A lot, like, you look at Kansas. Kansas plays TCU twice and then play Texas. They play three games in the week before they go to the conference tournament. What games this week, uh, besides Duke and Carolina, we get, because I want to get to that last, intrigue you the most? Like, Jay, you're at a big-time game tonight. All right, like, what games, it, like, you say, you know what? We're going to learn something in that game. Mine is uh, tonight uh, is the U- USC Arizona game, the rematch. In uh, that first game, uh, Azulis Tabellis really dominated inside. Now, granted, the perimeter players, Boogie Ellis, uh, Drew Peterson, didn't shoot the basketball well uh, in that game. And if I'm remembering correctly, Isaiah Mobley was the only person in double figure scoring. Uh, I, I'm, you know, you're talking about two of the three tallest teams in all of college basketball. And it's going to be interesting to see how the length 
uh, how the size uh, play, plays out. Can USC uh, keep Arizona off the glass? Can they keep them out of transition? Uh, can Boogie Ellis, can uh, Drew Peterson shoot to the level of their capability? I think that's going to be it, – it's, it's late for us, but I can't wait to uh, do the halftime show of that game tonight. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, Providence Villanova is going to be a great game, and it's going to go a long way to determining, uh, I think, seeding in the tournament and obviously the, the Big East championship. And I think Kansas TCU is <laughs> has got a chance to be a great game. And it's a game that, you know, Kansas obviously wants to win because they want to win another Big 12 title and put themselves in position to be the number one seed. I, although I don't think they talk about seeding as much as we do. I, I don't think the players talk about it, the coaches talk about it nearly as much as we do. But TCU needs that game to, to get in the tournament. I mean, the, the Big 12 has had – that's a, a, one of the best leagues in the country. Mm-hmm. But, but when you really start crunching the numbers, they're not going to get as many teams as we thought at the beginning of the year. Like early on, it was looking like nine, you know, nine teams were going to get in, and then Oklahoma State can't go because of that ridiculous NCAA ruling. But, but TCU just had a great win. If they can back that That's up with tight. another one, I think they put themselves in a, in a good position. Yeah, and they've, they played them twice within like three days, which is really good. And, <laughs> and, and then, you know, Kansas finishes up with, with Texas. You know, I, you know Purdue, Wisconsin mm. is, is a really interesting game to me. I mean, Purdue coming off, uh, I, I would say probably a disappointing loss. Would you guys characterize it as that? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, everyone, well, what's wrong with Purdue? Well, there's still, you know, look, Purdue runs great offense. Uh, it's different because the ball moves, people move. It's a screening offense. It's more, you know, the, there's excluding Jaden Ivey. There's not a lot of guys that are just playing in space, creating, kicking, second penetration, kicking, and the great shots. They do it off of cutting. They do it off of post action. They do it off of uh, great movement off the basketball. Uh, they play differently. So they don't score a number of easy baskets. And then you're talking about a Wisconsin team that you know doesn't give up easy baskets. They don't give up baskets in transition. They'll give up second chance. Uh, you know, so like when you look at this game, uh, Wisconsin was picked preseason tenth in the in the Big Ten. Tenth mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. They they're in position to win the Big Ten championship. Obviously, Johnny Davis is a big part of that. There's no doubt about it. But I think as a team, you know, Brad they, Davidson has been is good. Tyler Wall has been good. This team has grown as the season's been gone along. And I, I just think it has a chance to be just a, a really interesting game. Two very good passing teams, two very good cutting teams, two teams that are are less, uh, you know, Johnny Davis will make plays and Jay Davis will make, I don't make plays, but more of them are people and ball movement driven. What, what do you guys think of that game? Yeah, for me, it's, it's going to be pace. Uh, if, if Wisconsin control the pace of this game and can keep uh, Purdue out of transition, because now Jaden Ivey's pushing that thing, and you got to corral him with extra bodies. And when you do that, that leaves you susceptible susceptible for guys being open from the three-point line. And as you know, I mean, they can heat up <laughs> from the three-point line with, what, six guys that shoot 40% or better from the three-point line? So, so if Wisconsin can make this a consistent half-court game and do what Michigan State did, which is – Make Zach Eady, make Travion Williams have to beat you one-on-one on the interior and take away their three-point shooting ability, then I think I think Wisconsin has a great opportunity to win this game tonight. Wisconsin was picked 10th in the Big Ten because nobody 
had any idea that Johnny Davis was going to make this kind of leap from last year to this year. I mean, Wisconsin is this good because of him. Like they've got other good players. Chucky Hepburn has been really good at the point, and Brad Davison has been has been who you know who we expected. Tyler Wall is a great defender that makes all kinds of winning plays that that don't necessarily include scoring. Their big guys have been solid, mm-hmm. but they're they're they have a chance to win this thing, the Big Ten, because of Johnny Davis. And both Johnny Davis and Keegan Murray of Iowa. I mean, we all thought I, I thought Keegan Murray was going to make a big jump. I didn't think it was going to be this. And, and, you know, I did not anticipate this. And I don't know who did. Unless you were watching them every day and keeping this a profound secret from the rest of us, I don't see who, who called this in advance. And Johnny Davis played USA basketball. He got a tremendous amount of confidence from that. He knew after he, he left there, I can play with anybody, which happens with players. But, I mean, both those guys were, were sub-double-digit scorers last year. And now they're 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 twenty plus points a game scorers, yeah. and but Wisconsin won that game at Purdue because Johnny Davis had thirty seven. Like he yeah. went off, which he has done in big games. Like he's averaging twenty five against ranked teams, and and like I think he had twenty five at Michigan State. Wisconsin win thirty seven against Purdue on the road. Wisconsin win. And he had 30 at Indiana, Wisconsin win. I don't think the Badgers have ever beaten those three teams in the same year on the road. Wow. And and he's, you know, look, there are, there are not, there's always a lot of reasons why teams win. But the number one reason is Johnny Davis. And that's, that's why they have more than a chance tonight to win at home. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing to me is I don't look at, at Purdue having a lockdown defender. I don't look at... Purdue is having a guy that like for Johnny Davis, like who's the guy on Purdue that you can say, right? Well, he's going to take that guy out. All right. That's, that's, that's a good matchup. Whether it's going to have to be scheme and early help and marking him in transition and, and maybe trying to get the ball out of his hands, which, you know, you know, and you know, force Chucky Hepper. I I think Chucky Hepper is one of the best on ball defenders in college basketball. I think he's one of the, for sure, one of the five best on ball defenders in college basketball. Not, not a great shooter. I think that game is going to be a a fascinating game and and uh, just something to watch. That the system is good, and like you said, Jay. I mean, the guy, yeah, he and Keegan Murray have been phenomenal. As good as much as we talk about, you know, Jay Nivey as an NBA player. Much as we uh-huh. talk about Kofi Coburn or EJ Liddell. I mean, you know, the Big Ten, and you know, I think it was misinterpreted. Like we were game day, I said that it's going to be harder to pick to win the Big Ten Player of the Year as it, that it is the National Player of the Year, because I think Oscar Shibo is the National Player of the Year. In, <laughs> yes. one, le- in, in one league, yeah. I cannot remember a time where there are this many guys that legitimately you go, ooh, how about him? And then you know, someone plays the next day, and you go, ooh, wait a second, what did he do? I mean, that league uh, has had guys that have had spectacular, spectacular, spectacular seasons. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, any other games that, like, you know, you look at, uh, you know, and I'm just, you know, looking through things here that you look at and you say, wait a second here. Uh, you know, this game has a chance to be, you know, we're, we're talking, we're getting to the end of the season. I mean, we're, you know, we're a week away from championship week. And championship week is obviously always more pressure for uh, for the teams that are in the one bid leagues hard on Hackensack went down yesterday. It was very disappointing, led the whole way in the last <laughs> minute. 
they fouled a, a driver and, and Central Connecticut advances and Harvard on a Hackensack uh, gets into uh, rowing season, unfortunately. So our bowling season, by the way, Fairleigh Dickinson has one of the great bowling programs in America. Uh, oh, na- na- national championship good so take that duke boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't see you don't see a lot of duke people in bowling alleys <laughs> no they own they, they own may own right? the bowling alley they own the bowling alley but they don't go into was, the bowling alley i don't I wear somebody else's shoes that, that ain't gonna happen <laughs> well i think if you were bowling i was for sure you'd have your own shoes belts a bunch of guys, like I have been bowling with uh, with some NBA guys years ago, and they all had their own ball and had their like. I'm searching around for a ball I can use, and they're they're they've got their own ball, their own shoes, and uh, and I, uh, I I just have never gotten there. I do like to bowl, but it's I'm not I'm not going to hang out in bowling alleys that much. Chris Paul was a big bowler. I mean, I, he he he's into uh, bowling. Doesn't he have a fun? He has a big fundraiser for bowling. Yeah, a bunch of guys do. Uh, Del Curry, uh, Steph Curry's dad, and Seth Curry's dad used to have a big bowling tournament. A lot lot of guys love it. All right, Taylor, what are we we missing? Guys, how about we talk a couple of bubble teams here? Memphis, SMU, Oregon, Rutgers, any of these teams have a chance to get in? What do you guys think? Any any guys anyone on the bubble that you're like oh this team's in or definitely out why are we even talking about them? Well, Memphis is uh, playing a lot better, and part of that is because they are finally healthy. And I like the fact that you know they're starting to really look for and find Landers Nolly, who's probably their best three point shooter. Uh, Williams is their best player overall, I think. But you know, all of us, you know, they're, they're a difficult team to play against because they're of their length and athleticism. They're able to turn you over, get easy baskets in transition. Jalen Dern is great, whether he's playing kind of in the dunker spot or uh, dribble penetration, you kick, or he's great, terrific on the offensive glass. And they play at, at a, a great pace. The issue with them is they can turn the basketball over. But I'll say this, if they get into the NCAA tournament, we talk a lot about teams who have a different style and how that can be a positive for them in the NCAA tournament. If Memphis can get in, I would not want to play them in the first round of the tournament. Yeah, and they've got Houston coming up. I think it's their last game, if I remember right. And uh, they're, yep. you know, their guards like Tyler Harris and Lester Quinones. Those are their best three-point shooters, and those guys have to continue to to make shots. I mean, I think they can score, but uh, you know, taking care of the ball, being efficient. Um, I'm not sure. They've only lost one game out of their last nine or ten, something like yep. that. So they they've they've done and really they started winning after uh, if I've got the timing right, it was after Penny Hardaway kind of got upset over, you know, sort of his his coaching ability being questioned that that caused a little bit of a stir. We actually commented on, it, I think, on game day and they've been excellent since then. Uh, so maybe that served as a, a tiny little catalyst to start this fire. You know, I, I and it. Here's the here's the real deal on Memphis. Uh, when Armani Bates went down, and all of a sudden they shortened their roster, they got better. I mean, you know, all of a sudden they had a point guard that was that they were playing through. Williams became the focal point of what they were doing offensively. Durin in ball screens, short rolls, long rolls, dunker spot. The roles were much better defined. They became better defensively. They took better care of the basketball. Uh, they went with more veteran players, more experienced mm-hmm. players, guys that had more maturity. 
guys that last year won an NIT championship on the defensive end. Uh, look, college basketball is hard. I don't care how good a prospect you are and how talented you are. That transition, and everyone runs their own race. Some guys, the light bulb goes on at different stages. I think early in the season, obviously they had a great commitment to playing two really, really talented young players that you know weren't ready. I mean, this is the way it is. The only way to get ready is to play them and let them play through the mistakes. But they be, they got better, and nothing against the, the player, but they got better when they went to veteran players, when they went to guys that were a little bit more physical, a little bit more mature, that, that played more to their strengths, that didn't uh, that understood good shot, bad shot. And all of a sudden now they're, they're a really good team. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm excited to watch them play against Houston because, you know, we, you know, we talk about Houston. They don't have a quad one win, but Houston, uh, we all say, like Houston is the Villanova of the American Conference. <laughs> they win with their culture. They win with their toughness. Mm-hmm. They win with their identity. And uh, probably very few teams in the country, I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree, have the identity that buy in 100% to the identity like Houston does. I think that's just, you know, plain and simple. Now, that league also has SMU. And SMU obviously had a tough loss the other day in conversation. They have one of the best guards in the country. And they've had a really good se- had a really good season. Fines, you love Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers won those four in a row, top 25 wins. Uh, they still have another opportunity to play Indiana this week in another team that's kind of right, you know, knocking on the door, although I think Indiana's in. How do you think the committee, you know, like Rutgers is in, is Virginia, except they got more good wins. Yes. You know, Rutgers has those four good wins, but they have the Lafayette loss and they have the UMass loss. Virginia is playing much better, but they have the Navy loss and they have the JMU loss. How, how do you think the committee in a big picture is going to look at both of those teams? Although I think Rutgers is well ahead of Virginia because they have more good wins. Yeah, and I think that's just that's just it right there, Seth. Is uh, you know if we're if we're doing a blind resume, those four big time wins over top twenty five teams, I think are going to resonate. And so if there's a choice between Rutgers going in and UVA going in, I think Rutgers will get the nod because of what of, of what they've done uh, against the, you know, we talked about against the field earlier. Well, you don't get to, you know, it doesn't get to be, too much better than knocking off uh, four top 25 teams of which I think they did it three, three top 25 teams in a row. And so uh, I think fatigue has gotten to them a little bit, which is why they've stumbled uh, since then. Uh, but that's another team that that I think once in front of the committee and the committee sees what they've done against those top 25 teams, I have a hard time thinking that they're not going to get in. And they would be very dangerous once they're in. I think that's going to be the really hard call or the calls that the, the committee is going to have to make is when you have, you know, you can't point to num- a numbers difference to say, okay, here are the numbers and the good wins and all that stuff are not not as many bad losses to separate the teams when they're going to have to say, all right, I think this team is better. And if you think Rutgers is better than a team like Virginia, um, those are going to be close calls because they're very different. But that that's where, you know, I've, I've been somewhat critical of the committee makeup that when you start using the eye test, which I think can be perfectly appropriate, then it's a question of, are, do we have educated eyes on these teams? And I'm not sure we do. Now they do a, the committee by and large does a good job. 
you know, sure. we're, we can argue over seating on a particular year, but then, you know, after two days of arguing, we go play the tournament and everybody kind of forgets it for the most part. But the, the seating mistakes that have been made over the years have been, some of them have been significant. And then some of the, the selection decisions you can quarrel with, but I don't have as big a problem over selection because we're, we're talking about a bunch of teams that have lost a lot of games and, and very few of them are going to, going to do much in the tournament. And, uh, and so to me, um, I cut them a little more slack on that than I do on seeding. Here's the last thing. Conference tournament. I'm, I'm just going to throw this out to you. Mountain West conference tournament's going to be really good. I mean, it's going to be really good. I mean, like it's one of the most underrated conference tournaments. West coast conference will be good, but Mountain West. I mean, we saw San Diego state go to Wyoming yesterday and win. you know, Matt Bradley had like 30, I think if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're talking about a Wyoming team with obviously uh, they're really good. I mean, they're really, really good. Maldonado had a triple double yesterday. Uh, you know, Graham EK uh, is a, a force in the paint. They shoot the three. Uh, you know, you look at, you know, teams, uh, Colorado State is just a matchup nightmare, obviously, with Stevens and, and Roddy. Uh, Utah State is going to be a dangerous team because they can really score. And Justin Bean is a tough matchup. UNLV with Hamilton and the way they're playing. Uh, that conference, one, to travel in that conference is so hard. But that conference's tournament is going to be uh, – it's going to be an absolute grind. Boise State's terrific, absolutely terrific, really good on defensive end. Um, do you guys have a conference – Besides, obviously, we're going to beat the ACC. Besides the Big 12, which we know is going to be a rock fight, the SEC. Any conference that just intrigues you with their conference tournament? Big East. Uh, I think the Big East is going to be a, a great tournament. It usually is. I mean, that was a that was a great tournament before the league kind of you know blew up with, with Syracuse and Louisville leaving and West Virginia, all that stuff. But uh, the league has turned into, I mean, even though it's a different entity than it used to be, uh, it's, it's really good. And especially really good at the top. I don't think they have any, they don't have any teams that I think are in the top eight to win the whole thing that, that we've kind of identified and, and who knows whether that holds up, but they've got a bunch of, they've got a bunch of teams that can do some damage once they get there and watching them play against each other on a neutral court is going to be really fun. For those same reasons, Jay, I, I think of the Big Ten because you look at a. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see how well or not Michigan does in, in the in their conference tournament. Uh, you know, can they kind of take that next step? Uh, obviously, with, with, without their head coach, uh, Illinois, a team who would have been kind of in that ladder, which we agree, seven to eight teams that can win the national championship. I thought as we get to the ninth and tenth, that Illinois would have been that team, but they stumbled a little bit. But Alfonso Plummer went off the other day, and so that kind of <laughs> right on the map with Kofi Coburn. So uh, I, I think there are along with Purdue, I think there's two to three teams that would be in like that top 10 that have a legit chance to win the national title. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. And we've already talked about Wisconsin. Yeah, this weekend's going to be great. Championship week never disappoints. You're going to have incredible finishes throughout all those one-bid leagues. You know, have a coach in a one-bid league. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, the grind of that thing is so, you know, so intense and, uh, and you'll see, you know, and, and through that, those one bid leagues, you're going to see bids stolen. I mean, you know, there could be bids stolen in the A-10. It could be bids stolen in the West Coast Conference. It could be bids stolen in the Mountain West. It, you know, who knows? I mean, 
you know, there could be you know, what what's going to happen with Loyola Chicago. Who, you know, Joe Lenardi right now has on the outside looking in. So, uh, you know, the Valley's tournament is always, I mean, Arch Madness is always great. And this is just a great time of the year. If you're a basketball fan, to just sit yourself down and 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 enjoy the competition because it's been a great year. It's it's been an incredible year, mm-hmm. and to have people back in conference tournaments, fans in the stands, uh, celebrating the game uh, this time of the year, I think it's 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 actually you know I'm, you know we're all excited. We're all blessed to have a chance to be there on Saturday for uh, college game day, um, celebrating obviously. Duke Carolina tradition, but also obviously Coach K's last home game at Cameron, which, I, you know, I think it's great that we're documenting it because it's going to yeah. be something that, quite honestly, we're all going to remember. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, you think about certain great players or, you know, you know, someone's last game at home. Uh, let me let me finish with this and, and, and both you guys, because you guys both played from big-time coaches and big-time programs. Uh, how much more pressure is there on this Duke team because it's coaches last year? Like, I, mean, I like me thinking that, like, you know, this is his senior night with them. Every, you know, the spectacle that's going to be this weekend, the spectacle of every one of the NCAA tournament games that Duke plays. And I understand every game Duke is a, it stands on, alone as an event. But how much, how much, how do you think they're going to address or how much pressure do you think is on these guys going like, you know, this is, you know, we're part of his legacy and how he finished his career. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I don't know that the players are, I know they want to win for him in addition to winning for themselves, but I don't, I don't know that it's a, going to be a, a heavy weight of pressure. Um, they've dealt with a lot of it all year long and they've played really well and they've put themselves in position to win the the ACC regular season title. I think they may have already had clinched a share of it, if I'm not mistaken. But um, <laughs> look, it, 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 there was a little pressure when you had to play for him when you felt like if you didn't win, he might get fired. That, that was pressure. Um, I, I'd rather have this. I enjoyed this kind of pressure a little bit more uh, of being expected to win and having to win in the last last couple of years we played for him. But but my so, you know my sophomore year when we were a little bit worried that. You know, if we don't really win, you know, there were people that were chirping that he should be fired and it was real. Um, but luckily, luckily it didn't happen. You saved his ass, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still I'm still waiting for the check. You know, <laughs> He's getting a big one. I don't know about you. Checks right. in the mail. Yeah. Checks in the mail, I'm sure. Pony Express. <laughs> Yeah, my my experience has been uh, head coaches have always done a great job of shielding their teams from that pressure. And it, it, as a competitor, you can't help but feel it. And you 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 want your coach to go out on a high note. But uh, and I'm sure Coach K is doing the same thing. Is you know he's talking to his players, and and that that's really been my experience. Uh, though I felt it internally, I, I, the coaches that I played play for did a great job of shielding us from all of that. Yeah, it, I, I'll finish with this. Senior night's always been an emotion light for me, whether as a player or more as a coach. But, you know, one of the things I used to say to our guys is you'll remember this day for the rest of your life. Like when you walk through that, every time you come to this building, when you walk through those doors, this is the last time you're walking through those doors. You you know, I I would plead with the underclassmen to say, you know, let's send these guys out in a way that their last memory of this place was joyous. It was special that, 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 
you know, it was something that was reflective of, of their, you know, their career. And I, I, it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be interesting because I, I mean, every game's an event for Cameron, like you said, Jay. And when, 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 when you have a grand tail and say, hey, Grant, by the way, you only have one ticket. I mean, that doesn't happen very, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, Christian, I'll leave the family at home. Uh, you know, you get one ticket. You know, Billis, you can sell your tickets for a lot of money. Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> selling, my, selling my seat selling my seat and watching it on TV that wouldn't be a bad deal I, I, I think you're watching it on TV <laughs> yeah.